It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. This is your Estate Planning Essentials Radio and Podcast Program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the owner of KAAM Radio and co-host of this program, avidly seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. This program is called the Estate Planning Essentials Program, and I'm sitting with my co-host, my attorney, who should be your attorney, our Dallas estate planning expert, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. It's March Madness time, we just said before the program, and do you have any madness for us this afternoon? Well, I hope that some of the teams that are my favorites will be successful, but, Mm -hmm. you know... Every week, it's a different week, so... Who is your favorite? You never told me who you think... Favorite because you think they're going to win or favorite because you like them? I I like... Well, it's not... I mean, if you say who's going to win, that's... This year is kind of really difficult to say. It is. So, anyway, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, exactly. We know our hometown favorite SMU didn't do very well this year. No, no. They were kind of of gone, gradually gone down. (laughs) Yes, they have. Very sad. But um, on the flip side of the sadness is great gladness because Michael is here today to provide you with, once again, free education and expertise when it comes to estate planning. And today we want to talk about an issue that Michael is very knowledgeable about, which is, I don't know if it's on or upon, but transfer upon death property and how to basically execute that safely and wisely. Yeah, there's lots of different ways that real estate can be transferred upon your death. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I'd go over several, or numerous actually, ways because uh, somebody had asked me, um, how do I get something to this person that I care about uh, upon my death? What are my options? And I said, well, There are a lot of different options, and it really depends on the person's situation. Let's say you have a will, a will. If you have a will and you say, this property goes to my son so-and-so, all right, well, if it's going to go by your will, you would probate the will. So just having a will is not enough. You would have to go to court to probate the will. In other words, the court has to say that the will is good. And then after there's an executor appointed, the executor, after payment of all the bills, would then do what's called an executor's deed, an executor's deed. Uh, So they're the one that has the authority. A lot of people fail to follow up. A lot of attorneys fail to follow up. But a title company, when you try to sell the property, is going to want something that shows it's now that person's property unless... Uh, unless the property had been sold previously by the estate, but then they wouldn't be following the terms of the will. If it said to my son, Bruce, well, then 
okay, you have to have an executor's deed to do that, mm-hmm. to transfer it. Okay. Now, the, by the way, if the executor uh, is probably not, if it's not the beneficiary, they're probably not going to want to make a warranty because they don't want to have liabilities as the executor. So if you say, I want my friend Joe to be my executor, he doesn't want to have to give any warranties of, t- of title. Mm-hmm. He just will do a deed, a deed, so he doesn't have any liability. Okay. All right, let's say you didn't have a will at all. Somebody died, and um, let's say that that child was the only beneficiary, and uh, and and there maybe there was other assets, and there was a need to what's called administer the estate. There might have to be an heirship determination, uh, and when there is, or maybe there's sometimes there's problems with a will. Let's say that the original was lost. Uh, there are situations for when there wouldn't be an executor, but what's, what's called an administrator, hmm. an administrator. So if you die without a will or if you die, let's say you have only a copy of the will and you have to prove that the will is good, uh, then that person would not have, uh, would not be an executor. It would be what's called an administrator. So the same type of thing would happen. Uh, now it would be an administrator's deed. And again... The administrator, uh, if it's not going to be that uh, one that was going to be getting the property, certainly would not want to make a warranty of title uh, to have liability. Let's say, number three, let's just say number three, let's say you had a VHA or VA loan and you died with that loan. Well, so now whoever the executor is or the administrator is may do it's called an assumption deed, where they assume the the, the person who receives the property set, uh, assumes the mortgage, assumes the payments of the mortgage. Um, so under law, uh, even though a lot of times in deeds of trust, and we call mortgages deeds of trust in Texas, uh, a lot of times there'll be what's called events of default in the deed of trust. Uh, but the... And one of the events of default that sometimes lender puts there in there is if the uh, person dies that um, that owned the property, that they could call the note. In other words, uh, you know that they relied on the creditor of the person <clears throat> that you had given uh, the loan to, uh, and not a person who did not have as good a credit. And so they say, well, we could call the note. But usually, like on these VHA or VA loans, you could do an assumption deed. Now, this is important, too, on certain situations. Uh, since what I just mentioned is you give a property to somebody, can they pay? Can they maintain the property? Can they pay the bills? Are they, you know, before you give something to somebody, you've got to also think about can they maintain either the payments, the taxes, uh, you know, keeping that place in repair. Mm-hmm. How are they going to do that? So mm-hmm. you, when you when you give property to somebody, you need to think about that too. Insurance, HOA, it right. adds up. Right, right. And they, so they start to feel the pinch each month when they make those payments, and they say, right. "Boy, this is not necessarily worth it." People would rather be homeless or just pay rent. Yeah. So some people, you know, a lot of times, whether it's a widow, let's say it's a second marriage, or something else, and they say, oh, I'm going to give the home to my spouse. But 
What if they don't have the money to pay for the bills? Right. Yeah. They're off with the money from selling the home. <laughs> yeah, but you may say that if you abandon... Yeah, so it depends on the language you would have either in your will or whatever. Okay. Uh, I had I was at a conference this last week, and an, another attorney asked me a question about, um, in this case, it was a second marriage, and <clears throat> the person had to, her due to health, had to go to a facility. She was elderly. And the and I said, well, if you gave a life estate, if you abandon the property, the life estate may terminate. And so it depends on the language and, you know, is that really abandoning it or is it because she couldn't help it? You know, that type of thing. So mm. it gets into a lot of different legal issues. So. Um, let's say that you had, instead of a will, a trust. Okay, well, same idea. If the property's in the trust, so if you deed your, so let's say you acquire a non-homestead or whatever, to, and you put that property into your trust. First of all, would, if you deeded property in the trust and there was a mortgage on the property, is that going to be a problem for a lender? Um, you know, a lot of times if you ask the lender, they would say, oh, yeah, you, you have to, if you transfer property without our written consent, then we have a right to call the note. Hmm. But under the Garn St. Germain Act, there were some exceptions. I think we had a show about 17 exceptions to the Garn St. Germain Act. Mm -hmm. If the person owns the property and it's a revocable trust, one lesson to be learned, by the way, is on the see if you could have the deed of trust at the time of closing say that uh, that one of the exceptions to the due on sale clause is transferred to a trust that you're in control of as the grantor. Interesting. So you may want to do that if you have a closing in the near future. Okay. So then there's no question at all. Uh, although I think really that lenders are in the lending business, not the real estate business. So as long as you make the mortgage payments, they don't really care. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But it used to be a long time ago when I was a younger attorney, and now I'm an elder, elder law attorney. Yes, you just turned whatever you turned this month. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, well, anyway, when I was younger, I used to go right by that law and notify the bank and say, Oh, we're transferring this to, let's say, a revocable trust. And then, and you get, it's surprising some of the answers that you get. Um, they say, well, you have to refinance. Refinance? You've got to be kidding me. And I said, have you ever looked at this Garn St. Germain thing that they passed in the early 1980s during the Reagan administration? Um, it, you might want to take a look at the law. Right. <laughs> uh, and so... I got tired of doing that. I bet. And so about 20 years ago, again, I'm showing you that my age, I said, you know what, client, you just keep on making the mortgage payments. If you have a problem, then I'll show it to them. And I've never had a problem since. Classic. So that's a unscrupulous, unethical salesperson just trying to make money, capitalize on your situation. I don't think it's right. One time when I owned a home in Florida, the lender said to me, we don't do ladybird deeds. <laughs> I thought, well, really? What does that mean? And I ended up not doing it for some odd reason. Any thoughts on that? Why would you even say that to me? 
The only thing I can think of, you know, I guess with uh, we'll explain a Lady Bird deed, which is one of the options oh, as well. Okay. A Lady Bird deed is a deed where you have a life estate, uh, you retain control, and the property is goes to whoever the the grantee is after your death. You could change your mind. You could do a mortgage. You could uh, usually you could sell it, lease it, mortgage it. But the problem is that it's considered by some to be a transfer subject to divestment. So there, are, some people are worried about the rights of the grantee, the one who's to receive it upon your death. But really, it shouldn't be that much of an issue, but that's the reason. So some title companies are uh, unusually concerned about that as well because they consider it a transfer and so does that mean I have to get the consent of the ones who are supposed to get the property on death? Should not be that way. And actually, when we do a Lady Bird deed, which is an enhanced life estate deed, that you the it, we put down without the consent of anybody else that you the, whoever the one that's set doing the deed has con- total control and they can do whatever they want. Uh, and without the consent of anybody. Yet still, sometimes um, the title companies are concerned about the rights of the grantees. There was a case in Texas where somebody who was named as a grantee uh, sued the estate of the one who owned this property who decided to sell the property uh, before he died. The grantee lost. Because why? Because they had the right to sell the property without the consent of anybody. So there's no right until you technically, it's that person's property. So let's say you have a homestead. That homestead is still your homestead until you die. Mm -hmm. And by the way, also the Lady Bird deed as well as transfer on debt deeds work to avoid Medicaid estate recovery. With that, and by the way, also won't have any impact upon uh, any exemptions you may have, homestead, over 65, disability. Uh, by the way, also, if you put your home into a revocable trust and you have the magic language that says that you're in compliance, you have the right to use and occupy your property without charge or consent. Uh, I saw a trust just this week that I was surprised. Of course, it had been done a long time ago. Uh, and anyway, even I was going to say I saw it, but it was by an attorney I know uh, that I used to work for a long, 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 long right. time ago okay. uh, when I was uh, uh, actually in law school. And I, said, uh-huh. and I said, oh, gee, I can't believe he didn't do this. I can't believe. Because you see, if you don't put the magic language, you lose the homestead exemption. Uh, in if you put it into a trust, so under so that's why you have to kind of review trust if you move from state to state. By the way, mm-hmm. because states' laws different. Usually, the trust is good, but the there could be something that's unique to the state. So in Texas, we make reference to Section eleven thirteen J, the property tax code, whatever. Uh, it says that I could occupy my property without you know cost or charge, mm-hmm. uh, and so that you retain that homestead status. If the Sometimes the appraisal district looks at the actual trust to make sure there's that language. If you don't have it, then you lose the exemption, and that's big, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if you're over 65 and or, have, or you're a veteran or uh, you had um, uh, some sort of um, disability exemption. 
so that's a really important thing. So a lady birdie, the reason for the the I guess bank and uh, said we don't do lady birdies is because they were concerned about some rights being vested in the grantees. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a common thing. We use them all the time uh, for in connection, especially for Medicaid. But it didn't have to be. It could be any situation. Let's say you just wanted to avoid probate altogether. Let's say that was the only asset you had. Well, you could have a ladybird deed, and it just goes to whomever it is. And the problem is, of course, if there's more a whole bunch of people. So I know I had somebody that came to me, and there was 13 kids. And I said, you're never going to get 13. If you have it go to 13 kids, mm-hmm. you think you're going to get an agreement between all 13 on right. whether to sell and what price or sure. to lease or to mortgage the property? It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if you do that, by the way, the answer is have the deed go to a trust and have one person in charge even though things can be split up. I like that. Yeah. So um, One decision maker, bottom line. Um, before Michael continues, I want to talk about his next workshop because Michael used the phrase magic language, and um, that's critical. It's critical in every document an attorney does, every document you sign, because you're, you're stuck with it. A contract's a contract, an agreement's an agreement. Now, they can be uh, contested and uh, fought to the point where you could probably win, but... Still, it doesn't happen very often. Michael would know better than I being an attorney. But nevertheless, you want to make sure you have that particular safe language in your estate plan. And Michael's the man for that. I just know that. He's done it for me. He's talked about transfer upon death um, today. And it's what I've done. It's what happens to me uh, or for me if I were to pass away tomorrow or in 20 years. And I thank God for that. And Michael, all of the time. You would, too, if he became your attorney. To that end, we think, I think especially, you should attend his next workshop. Uh, And that is uh, to be scheduled for Saturday, April the 15th at 10 a.m. And, Michael, first of all, tell them where the workshop is on Saturday the 15th of April and what goes on. Well, we have this free estate plan workshop. It's really not about being a client or anything like that. It's really about what you want to know. Uh, we ask people what they want to know at the beginning of the workshop, and then I write those questions down. And over those two hours of that free estate planning essentials workshop, we try to answer questions. It doesn't have to be about real estate. It could be about estate planning. It could be about Medicaid. It could be about veterans' benefits. We never know the questions that people are going to ask, and every workshop's different. We've been doing them for over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, so every time the questions are different. So we try to answer those questions within those couple hours. Of course, there'll be a presentation as well, just to give you some understanding of basics. Uh, a lot of times people want to know about wills or trust or powers of attorney or uh, other types of estate planning documents or about Medicaid for long-term care costs. So we go through those different types of things and also see what the questions are that people may have. To go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. When... um 
you have these workshops. They're now in person during COVID the last three years, not last three years, last two to three years or so. They were online via Zoom or other FaceTime services, but now they're again person. And where do they happen in person? What's the address? Oh, we have, we're across from Medical City Hospital uh, um, in North Dallas, near between close to Central Expressway, okay. 75, right. uh, a little bit south of LBJ, close to Forest Lane, if you know where that is. Mm-hmm. And it's Saturday, uh, April the uh, 15th. It's in the morning. There's relatively no traffic compared to during the week, which is also very helpful. Yeah, and, and you'll see that the two hours will fly by. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some fun. You're going to learn a lot. Uh, also, I should mention, if you do go to the Free Estate Planning Essentials Workshop. And only if you go to the Free Estate Planning Essentials Workshop, we give what we call a free vision meeting. So there's three free hours. We think we think that's the equivalent of at least $1,500 without any obligation. Mm-hmm. So to, again, to go to that workshop, all you'd have to do is call 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. I would attend to knowing that um, your taxes are due the following Tuesday. Uh, and maybe you can go and ask Michael some questions about taxes. He's not a tax attorney. He's not an accountant. But you never know um, before you file those on Tuesday the 18th. It's not the 15th this year. That's when the workshop is. Taxes are due on Tuesday the 18th. So bear that in mind. And uh, Michael, we've got about four minutes left. Can you address this a little bit more for the audience? Okay. Well, I'll tell us some. I'll have to go some pretty quickly here. Sometimes people die when they, let's say somebody lacks capacity. Mm-hmm. If they lack capacity, and then they die, well, then it becomes part of the estate, and now you have a guardian. So the guardian of the estate would have to do a deed, just like a trustee of a trust or an executor of a will. Now, a lot of people use are wrongfully used what's called quit claim deeds because in a lot of states they seem to be uh, work but not in Texas they they you're, you're not given anything and title companies cannot stand them and almost feel like they're useless so please do not use a quit claim deed which basically says I give you nothing I'll just tell you I'm giving whatever I got but I really am not giving you making any promises right. um, you know sometimes people. Uh, have, uh, let's say it's a surviving, ben- the closest surviving beneficiary or beneficiaries, uh, you can do what's called an affidavit of heirship. Somebody dies without a will, typically. Um, it's kind of a, sometimes it can be difficult because if you can't get people to agree, uh, we have a situation where there's three children and one child, one did is disagrees with the other two kids. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to follow mom's wishes. Okay. The the one child. Money does that. And that's exactly <laughs> right. So um, we're doing an affidavit of heirship because people cannot even agree on who would be the administrator of a state. Uh, they could have an administration, have one person in charge, but we got kids that don't agree. Well, anyway, some t- affidavit of heirship is a presumption of evidence after five years. Title companies will generally uh, agree to that, but you may want, like in this situation, it's possible that they consider a family settlement agreement. Okay. Um, another thing is what's called a small states affidavit. So let's say that um, there's a spouse and the other assets in the estate, spouse living in the home and that the assets the home, but there was no will. 
and if the other assets after uh, other assets were less than $75,000 then in that situation the home you could do it without even going to court but you file something with the court it's called a small estates affidavit in order but um you have to be careful i know when i went to this uh, probate um uh bench bar that was in early in march the one of the judges I hate to say, almost took pride in saying that 70% of the small estates affidavits that were submitted to their court had been rejected. So you have to be sure and be careful what you do when you do that small estates affidavit. Now, by the way, it depends on the court, just like anything. Just like we were talking about about referees a couple weeks ago, um, it depends on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you were in another court uh, the at the same um, bench bar conference, another judge says, I've never... I've always approved them. Mm-hmm. And so it just depends on the judge on what's important to them or what their interpretation of law and what the purpose of the law is. Very good. Uh, uh, I've got an operations manager in California who oversees the radio station there for me. And he's, he started in 1992. I started in 1989. You can see how long I've been doing this now. And he's got a plumbing situation at home. And he said... Um, I refuse to let anybody fix it my, uh, themselves. I fix it. I don't pay for it, et cetera, et cetera. And I very much respect him for that. I, I'm a little bit different. I do what I do. I hope well enough. But what I can't do, I just give to somebody else. I stay in my lane. And this is the exact same analogy with what Michael Cohen does. You're crazy um, if you try to do this yourself. It's too complicated and it's too dangerous and I use that word in, in legal, financial um, ways, family ways, social ways, you name it. You don't want to set yourself up for disaster while you're alive or after you pass away where your family's left holding the bag and it's, it gets ugly. The good news is there's too many levers. I'm not sure why that's good news, but it is because Michael can guide you and direct you as to what lever to pull. The way to do that is to attend his next workshop, which is Saturday, April the 15th at 10 o'clock. Sign up for that today. It's in person. Dial 214-720-0102. Or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, I very much thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.